Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community, with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl Polichuk. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Corey Munson from PCMatic, and the topic is... What if nobody returns to the office? Opportunities for MSPs. So Corey is uh, Vice President of Sales at PCMatic, uh, developers of the only endpoint security software developed and supported exclusively in the US. In his 15 years with PCMatic, Corey has helped lead the company's rapid growth in the consumer market, introduction into the channel and continued B2B market expansion. Prior to joining PCMatic in 2005, Munson spent eight years with Gateway Incorporated, including four years leading competitive intelligence operations. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Carl. It's great to be here. So, Gateway. This is the Gateway computers with the uh, with the cows on the. Did stuff. you ever own a cow spotted box with so a PC in it? Carl? I did not, but I had a client that a pretty good sized client that used to order them twenty and thirty at a time. And I will never forget, as long as I live, that it, you may not know this. The UPS drivers always delivered the boxes and then lined them up so that the patterns matched. I, I think I had heard stories like that. I was oftentimes on the other end of the phone when people were calling to, to order their, their uh, PCs. So uh, it, it's also, it, it tells me... Um, the, the, the generation gap that I'm increasingly dealing with as I'm speaking to crowds, when I mention Gateway and my connections to Gateway, some just give me blank stares. Others, yeah. others remember ordering a PC directly from, from Gateway. So. Right. Yeah. Well, it was, it was quite a generation, I'll tell you. So. That's right. So now you're with PCmatic, which actually, I mean, been there since 2005, so it's not like it's a new thing. So. No, we've been around for 20 years and our current CEO and founder of the company was a senior vice president at Gateway. So his responsibility at the time was he was over sales uh, support and global marketing for what at the time was a very, very big company. So uh, I was part of his organization there and been with uh, PC Medic for 15 years, but PC Medic itself been around for 20 years now. And where uh, is it located? We were all, all virtual. So we're all scattered across the country. Okay. We've got roughly 50 employees got a big network of folks that are down in the Myrtle Beach area near where our CEO lives. I'm here in the Midwest. We have some of our original uh, uh, founding employees that were also Gateway employees. So as, as you may remember, Gateway was a Midwest company. So many of us are still here. It's interesting. So I naturally just have taken to asking people where the company is, not where you are, because nobody nobody's you know anywhere but home right now. But so you guys are totally virtual, like you get 50 employees and essentially a virtual business. Totally virtual. We, we've had a lot of conversations lately from uh, business owners of all sizes wanting, wanting to know how we've made it work. And I tell you, we, we haven't, uh, we really didn't break stride. You know, this was a matter of us adjusting to what was happening with our customers and our partners more than it was any adjustments we had to make internally. Well, and it's interesting because it's a multi-layered process because most of your customers are, uh, at least in the IT channel, uh, 
they're used to working remotely and doing stuff with cameras and all of that. And their clients are less used to. <laughs> so it's sort of like, you know, uh, some, of, some of the technology that other people think is absolutely amazing and brand new and spectacular, we've been using for 15 years. <laughs> so. Exactly. Very cool. So tell us about uh, PCmatic and this uh, this concept about you know what happens if nobody goes back to the office. You know, it, it's been something we've talked about for for the, really the last you know two three months, and increasingly we were having conversations with you know I had Jay McBain on last week, and we discussed this topic, and your friend and mine, Dave Sobel, and I were talking about it just just yesterday. Um, you know, I. I think we're at a really unique point where we're, we've moved now with this work from home workforce from this triage phase, as, as Jay McBain calls it, to kind of this, what I'm going to say is a coming to grips with reality stage. The fact that we've got all these folks moved home, but now there are massive security holes left in the wake. Um, there's, uh, you know, a, a com- coming to terms with the fact that a large percentage of these people are using their own personal devices. And at least in a recent survey we did suggested that half of these people have no IT support from their current employer. So as someone who works side by side with MSP partners all day long and trying to help them identify opportunities, it seems to me that now that we realize this is more of a long-term issue with work from home, that there's a big, big gap here to, to be filled and quite possibly it's an opportunity for MSPs. And so how does, PCmatic fit into this, I mean, let's say better than the competition? There are a couple things there. And, and this is really based on, um, I think what we've known all along, uh, but in having conversations with our MSP partners, what we're hearing is what they were able to do during this triage uh, phase with our, with our product was more easily migrate workforces home, knowing that we had a really simple to deploy, very easy to manage um, product that would offer not only visibility into these endpoints that were now at home instead of uh, in the office, but also add in uh, a new layer of security. We take a, a default deny approach to the way we lock endpoints down, a little bit different than traditional antivirus. So it was the combination of the, the, the ease of use, the flexibility in being able to deploy, the visibility that it offered and the increased security seemed like a, a really perfect fit and a perfect tool for these MSPs that were trying to address this. So, and do you think the virtual nature of your own business is related to how you develop the product? I think there's elements of that. You know, we, we always take it to heart. We, you know, we're still small enough and nimble enough, Carl, that whatever feedback we get, internal, external, partner feedback or otherwise, we're still small enough and nimble enough to put that into into action right away. It's not something that goes onto the roadmap and then three years later we launch it. Right. So I'm, I'm sure there's elements of it. I, not something specifically I could call out, but uh, a good conversation to be had with the developers, I'm sure. Well, it's interesting from, you know, the perspective of MSPs, many, many of them still have a server centric view of the world, right? They have their clients at home remoting into a desktop so they can access the server so they can get to storage. And you're like, ah, we have storage in the cloud now. You know, it's like, like that uh, uh, Simpsons cartoon where he says, oh, they have the internet on PCs now. 
But, you know, I, I think that a lot of people still have this view that the, the server is the center of a business. And so everything goes through the server. But if you have a completely virtual company, you know, there, there isn't a, a, an office where you've got a server with a desktop in the next room that you remote into. It's just, like, it doesn't even make any sense to think in those terms. Right. We've, we have an MSSP partner here locally in, in Iowa that I was talking to recently. And the point he made was, you know, it's the old castle doctrine. That's the way security has typically been built is you build the walls around everything that's centrally located. And his point was, well, as of March, everybody loaded up all those valuables under their kid's PC and, and headed home. Right. So it changes the, the dynamic almost overnight. And I think it requires some different thinking from a security perspective, some of which is happening and some of those conversations are happening. But unfortunately, I don't, I don't think everyone's quite coming to terms with it yet. Right. Well, I do think the folks who were already 100% in the cloud before all of this started are probably faring better than right? who are not. So, um, so do you, have you seen an uptick in um, problems with uh, folks working from home? Like, because they're working on older machines, slower machines, stuff that where the operating system can't be secured completely? I, I think there's a combination of things we've seen. And, and some of this is firsthand feedback from customers and partners. Some of this is anecdotal. Um, firsthand that, you know, one of the one of the things we address with our product is we offer a suite of tools for RDP management, and you know the remote desktop protocol, as unsafe and unsecure as it is, unfortunately has become a real uh, piece of the work from home strategy for a lot of companies in in a pinch here, and so you know increasingly I, I think we're seeing that become a bigger and bigger piece of the attack vector as as it relates to work from home and one of the reasons we we really pay a lot of attention to 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 trying to manage it but i i think you you combine that with the fact that again you've got a lot of these people at home working from their own devices we think it's like 60 plus percent are using their own own machines half of them have no it support and the vast majority are getting no additional cybersecurity awareness training. So assuming they hopefully had some going into this, uh, they have none now. So you combine all those things and it's, it feels like the perfect storm. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before we under, start to understand the true impact of what, what's been left in the wake here. And, uh, and we're gonna have to figure out ways to deal with it. And hope, hopefully MSPs can be a part of that. And the, you know, it's interesting because you now have this situation where, you know, the lawyers and the insurance companies are going to have a field day because if somebody gets broken into at work, uh, theoretically, they could get to work-related data. But now you're at home where you also have all your home-related data. Right. <laughs> right. So not only your personal financials, but you know, now you've got the work and the business kind of that, that data is meshed together. And, you know, the bad guys are really, really smart. I mean, today they're well-funded and they, they are just incredibly quick at turning around attack vectors and <laughs> figuring out, you know, where the new holes are and, and what the new strategy is to break into them. And it's really something. 
If there's money to make, be made, they'll find it. If it's profitable, they'll keep doing it. It's why ransomware has become what it is. You know, to, to your point about the, uh, the kind of convergence between personal and, and business, business data, I think one of the, the fascinating things that's going to have to be addressed here going forward is if we think, what, I've heard 30%, maybe 40% of those that have had to migrate to work from home are now staying there. They're not going back to the office. All right, if, if that's truly the, the case, then um, what, how does that work from an IT help desk standpoint or from an MSP standpoint in terms of, again, we think 60% are using their own devices. Wh where, does the, where, where does the line get drawn between uh, how, much, how much help can be provided on a personal device and where does, where does that get cut off? And it seems like there's, there are HR issues and a lot of other things to unpack there. But I think this is all big, a part of the bigger challenge. And if MSPs can, can wrap their, their heads around how to bundle this all together, I think there are going to be some business owners that are in desperate need for a complete solution about how to tackle this. Right. You know, it's also interesting. <clears throat> I was just preparing a video about, you know, there's suddenly money available for certain things that there wasn't money available for before. And part of it amounts to, well, before you weren't making a really good argument to the client of why you needed to spend this money. And, and so they, they've got every excuse in the book, but at the end of the day, they didn't see the need. And now suddenly they see the need and the money is magically available. <laughs> Right. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting, different world, but there are so many challenges, more challenges now than I think we've ever seen because the bad guys are smarter. And I think that uh, viruses and ransomware are now something that the, the end users actually care about. They didn't used to care. It literally like, oh, no, that's that's Corey's problem. Right. Let Corey fix the, the viruses. Now it's like, oh, wait. Nobody can get to any of the data and they want thousands of dollars <laughs> to give us our, our security key. Like, uh, maybe it is my problem. I think you're spot on, Carl. I mean, one of the things that we advocate uh, across all of our partners is as, as we try to help them go out and engage their end users is to stop these conversations about speeds and feeds. This is, this is about business continuity and ransomware being a headline. Now it's easier to tie to that business continuity. But unfortunately, we still have uh, partners that want to go out there and talk about speeds and feeds and each individual part of their security stack and trying to relate all that to their, to their customers. When in reality, these customers, right now, they're worried about making payroll. They're worried about keeping the doors open. They're worried about figuring out, making sure that their employees can plug in from home on a regular basis and do it securely. We need to speak to those folks in those terms. And that's what we're really trying to, to help our, our partners understand. So let me take a step back and have you talk about PCmatic. Exactly what is it? You know, which, which pieces of security are you taking on and, uh, and how do you do it? Sure. There are a couple different flavors. Really, the, the foundation of our, our product is an endpoint security solution that's all based on zero trust and default deny. We drop an agent down onto the endpoint and we monitor for executables. Anything that attempts to execute that's not on our whitelist of known good, we will block it from executing. The real difference, and a lot of folks have gone down that road before and tried to implement 
things like that, it's just too hard to deploy. It's too hard to manage. So we've, we've really uh, incorporated two pieces that we feel like go a long way in automating that. One is we have a baseline list of, of all the known good that we've tracked o- over the years. So instead of just simply dropping this tool into the hands of an IT administrator and say, great, go build this, we at least have the starting point of all these known good applications to, to build off of. The second piece is if anything is ever blocked and we don't recognize it as either a known good or known bad, we automatically push it up to the cloud and to our research team who will touch it, turn it around, usually in a matter of about 15 to 20 minutes, make a determination that's then pushed out globally. Wow. So as a solution, it becomes one of two possibilities as part of a security stack. It's either a replacement for a traditional antivirus, and we have partners that are doing just that. Or in other cases, it becomes a bolt-on solution to, to whatever you're, you're currently using. And, and more and more, it, we've seen this pick up traction in, in just the last year. NIST, CMMC, there are a lot of compliance and standards that are coming down that are going to require something like this be in place. And there are a handful of companies that are doing it. We feel like we, we do a better job of it and make it more practical even for the smallest of, of IT shops. All right. So um, define endpoint uh, in your discussion. Sure. In our world, we're talking about Windows PCs. We do have a Mac product as well. And we have an uh, Android product that's, that's on the roadmap and being built out. But the primary focus as of right now are Windows PCs and servers. All righty. So folks deploy this and is it on a, uh, what I call a managed service model, which is I buy 10 or 20 or 50 licenses at a time and deploy them as I see fit? There is uh, no minimum entry here. So you're going to go seat by seat on a monthly basis. At the end of each month, we'll basically uh, ring up however many endpoints you're deployed out to, and that's what your invoice is going to show. If you've got more or less on the next month, you'll, you'll see the invoice reflected accordingly. Pricing typically starts south of a dollar, usually closer to about 83 cents per endpoint per month. And then we get into some pretty deep discounting based on volume from there. But it's become a, a nice high value, high margin piece of a lot of security stacks. And knowing now that you're seeing more and more of these, this talk around compliance that's tied to this type of technology, it's, it's become a nice, nice part of, uh, of, of a lot of solutions out there. Right. And so uh, you basically get in the way of execution. So if I buy a new printer, for example, and I'm going to install whatever software came with it, um, chances are if somebody's installed that before, you've got the signatures and you know what that looks like. Exactly. And, you know, with most traditional antivirus software, it would, if it hasn't, doesn't recognize it, it will just simply allow it to run. What we're doing is if we don't recognize it and haven't already identified it, we'll, we'll have somebody actually touch it, push it back out globally and, and make that determination. Same to be said, if, if it's something proprietary, it's something one-off that uh, one of our MSPs may have a customer that's running something like that, we can add that to the list um, locally immediately. So there are no issues with false positives there, but we also have an ongoing mechanism that they can constantly add to that, that list on the fly and not have to worry about anything, uh, uh, anything slowing the process down. So if I, uh, <clears throat> I'm the IT service provider, I stick in a, a USB or whatever, and I start loading something, 
Um, how does it work? Does like does it come up and say, "Hey, nope, I don't recognize that. Do I need to put in a password to, to allow it, or what do I do?" Good point. So the end user really sees nothing other than the the icon down in the the system tray. This is simply a, an interaction between either the MSP that's managing this or the IT administrator that might be managing. You've got any number of options to set up notifications if something were to be blocked and then get that notification and be able to act on it on the fly. Um, we've had conversations with partners who have, who have received notices on their phones because you, this is a cloud-based management console. You log in from any internet accessible device. They get a notice that you know, somebody in accounting is getting something blocked. They're able to override that and add it locally to, to the good list. Uh, within a matter of, of seconds, if, if not maybe a minute or so. And that traditionally has been the knock against this approach is we don't want to shut the production line down just because right. there's a false positive. And as long as there are good mechanisms in place for notification and dealing with it, I, I think it's being recognized for, for the value it, it truly brings. So how do you prevent uh, the situation where basically, you know, they use social engineering, right? They say, oh, oh, you've got this wire transfer, click here uh, for the instructions, which are in this handy dandy zip file, which is really an EXE, right? I click it and I'm like, I, I wanna open that. And they're like, do you let me open it? We would actually let you open it, but we're gonna catch that at the, at the execution at that point. So, you know, it, this, is, this is a good example of where this is a, an important part of an overall stack you definitely still need that cybersecurity awareness training in there that hopefully is going to prevent those right. clicks from happening. But we all know that's not foolproof. This, this is that next stage. If they do click on it and something does attempt to execute, being able to catch it, catch it there. Uh, so we don't see it as a replacement for the need for that kind of training or the replace or a need uh, for uh, uh, taking the place of a need for a good backup strategy. It's simply another good layer to uh, any any solid security stack. And do you like put a big screen that says, okay, you're an idiot. Like you really shouldn't have clicked on that. Let's, let's have a discussion or go back to training or. You know, we, we haven't made that step to, to do that, that interaction with the actual end user. Our concern is more making sure that whoever's trying to administer this has everything they need and it's super simple and super intuitive. Is it depressing to be in this industry? Because it seems to me like it would be really depressing. <laughs> you know, it, it can be, but I, I think there are a lot of good people in this industry that genuinely want to help. You know, sometimes you wake up and you feel like you're up against a, a big mountain of a prog problem that can no, never be overcome. But I think there are people that genuinely think that we can make some, some progress here and, and help companies that, that want to protect against this. And you know, it's, look at any headline that talks about ransomware. Unfortunately, there are small businesses that are being shut down because of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, and if, whole cities, I mean. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of it is due to lack of education on the end user part, too. So that's one of the things we really uh, take a lot of pride in is, is trying to be out there being a part of the conversations of, of you know, the bigger conversations about the solutions. We'd love for people to point directly to our product as, as part of that solution. Don't get me wrong. But more importantly, we think it's good that, that the awareness is out there and people are actually talking about it and helping our MSPs facilitate those kind of conversations too. 
Cool. Uh, let me take a break just to uh, allow you to give us your contact information. How do we get uh, in touch with PCmatic? Uh, one of two ways. You can go to pcmatic.com slash MSP, or feel free to drop me an email directly at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at pcmatic.com. Very cool. Um, so uh, if I'm using this tool, how long does it take uh, for things to get updated? Like, like let's say Bob in another country and, you know, another, another side of the, the United States has introduced something new. Um, how soon, you know, is it really 15 minutes before I can put in the same disc and, and it'll be whitelisted? In many cases, it's, it's actually less. Uh, and that's one of the things we constantly work to improve on. So if it is unknown, it's getting pushed up to the cloud to that research team who's actually uh, getting their hands on it. We, we have cut that, the amount of time down that it takes them to then push that out globally as, as a definition. It's well south of 15 minutes. I, the number I heard recently is about five to six minutes. And is that, I mean, folks in South Carolina, just like sitting at desks, uh, getting alerts? Anybody that has the agent installed on it would then benefit from, from whatever definition was just pushed out. All, all that being said, at the same time, that administrator always has the ability to override if they recognize this as being something that's good. If they recognize it as, some, as something that is one-off or proprietary that should be running, they don't have to wait for us to take action on our side. And um, is there a, um, I guess a delay? Like if I'm running my computer and I'm, you know, I'm gonna be executing stuff all day long. Um, are you constantly like, going out to the cloud and saying, oh, that's Word, that's Excel, that's PowerPoint. <laughs> Fortunately, one of the things that, that uh, you know, most of the uh, security products are evaluated against any number of, of uh, measures when it comes to uh, AV test or AV comparatives, one of the things we constantly rank very, very well on is the performance impact on, on the endpoint. We, we consistently rank as, as the product that is uh, having the least impact on performance overall. So and knowing that our, our roots as a company were all about optimizing computers way back when Windows PCs did not age well, that's something we've kept in mind as we've developed our security product is the security is great, but if you're slowing these, these systems down to a crawl, uh, there's a point of diminishing returns to some degree. So we, we take a lot of pride in having very little impact overall on the system. And uh, uh, we're almost out of time here, but uh, final, I guess, uh, line of discussion is what about all those machines sitting back at the office that haven't been turned on in five months or the laptop that, you know, I got a laptop, but I've been sitting at my computer for five months. So when I go turn on that old machine, how quick does it, you know, actually secure that system again? Usually it, it's a matter of maybe about 10, 15 minutes to get everything fully, fully up to speed. The, uh, you know, the, as long as that agent is down on that machine there um, and it gets booted back up, you're, you're not looking at a long time at all before, uh, before you'll be fully protected again. Very cool. All right. Well, Corey, any final thoughts before we go? No, I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak. Love to have a conversation about the greater problem about work from home. We're going to continue to drive that, that conversation with a lot of different thought leaders out there. So I'd love to have more input around that and how MSPs are addressing that. But 
as, as I said before, I'd love to talk about our product and that's where pcmatic.com slash MSP gets you right to us. Very cool. Thank you, sir. This has been another SMB community podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.